Now, is it any surprise that Jesus loves to tell stories? You know, in the New Testament Gospels, Jesus tells 36 of these short stories. These stories were a powerful means to influence, to teach, and to inspire. Storytelling forges a powerful connection between the speaker and the audience, between people who are out in the audience who are hearing it. It helps to unite them together as well. And it allows people to be engaged by thoughts and ideas. Stories convey culture, history, and values. And it really can unite and bring people together. Storytelling also allows the storyteller to bring out some very deep spiritual truths without the listener becoming overly defensive, sending up walls and shutting off actually hearing and listening to what is being said. Now, we all know that Jesus' stories are not just ordinary stories, right? We call them parables. The deep spiritual truth that helps us to learn about the very nature of God helps us learn about our nature, and it helps us to learn about our relationships with others. Now, with all that I've said, you probably already know this about me, but I absolutely love stories. I love stories because they can help me. Sometimes it's an escape and I can get transported to a different time and place. Sometimes there's a, a deeper truth and meaning that comes across in stories that you just can't get with a good old-fashioned didactic sermon, right? No, stories are powerful. Stories are engaging. Stories can make us think and make us cry all at the same time. And I want to tell you about one of the best stories ever told. Now, I'm not just talking about the Bible. I got that one, right? And if I want to tell you about my favorite story, we got to go back to 1977. Yeah, you know what happened in 1977? Star Wars. <laughs> A New Hope. And let me tell you, this movie transformed how we tell stories. It absolutely transformed the movie industry. And I mean, it raised the bar on what you had to do to attract an audience. But one of the things that I love about Star Wars is that it had all of the tropes that we love. Things like a humble farm boy becomes a hero and saves a princess. He's the chosen one with special abilities and powers. To be honest with you, the list of why I love this movie just goes on and on and on. But the number one reason I really like this story is that there is a very clear delineation about who are the good guys 
and who are the bad guys. There's no guessing. You know exactly who it is. Unfortunately, in life, it's not always that easy to discern good from evil. Here's an example. Government employees were attending a continuing education workshop, and they were asked if, by just looking at a person's face, they could tell that person's character. And they replied, absolutely we can. And so they were shown a close-up picture of people's faces, and then they were asked about their character. Well, the first picture was an older gentleman. He had a leathery skin, and it was really deep wrinkles in his face. He had small eyes and large bags under them, and his lips were curled in a sneer. All of the government employees said, that person, that right there is a shady character. And one said, I bet he's just committed a crime. Now, the second picture was of a young woman's face. She was beautiful. Makeup was done to perfection. Eyes were bright and alert. She had a look of calmness and serenity, and there was a soft smile on her lips. And the government employee said, well, you know what? Now that is a good person. And another one said, she could be my friend. Well, the workshop leader then said, you know, be honest with you, we really don't have enough information just by looking at a person to tell if they're good or bad. We really need a fuller picture. And then he showed the government workers not just the close-up of each person's faith, but actually showed them what they were doing. And in the first picture with the older man, well, guess what? He was in a wheelchair. But he was in a wheelchair helping an elderly lady carry her groceries. And in the second picture, you know, with the beautiful young woman, you know what she was doing? She was robbing a bank at that particular moment. My friends, we all need a bigger picture, a more complete picture, a whole picture. Jesus' parable makes clear that any attempt to root out the weeds will only do more damage to the crop. Now this has played out far too many times in churches. Some churches are determined to root out anyone who does not agree with the right interpretation of Scripture or the right way a person has to worship or about a particular issue. There are also those who are so bold as they even will pronounce judgment on people who are outside of the church. Now, whether judgment is focused within the church or outside of the church, hear me on this. Judgment does serious damage to the mission and the ministry of God's church 
here in this world. It hurts the kingdom. You know, the truth is we often assume that if we all just live the right way, if we all just do the right things, because you know what? We're all, you know, self-appointed experts on what's right. And if we, you know, can just judge everything by our standards, it's all going to be great. It'll work out so well. I know what's good. I know what's right. I know what's a weed and what's wheat. And if you'll just do what I want you to do, then you know what? This world's going to be fine. But here's the problem. Whose world are we now living in? Is this the actual world that we have, or is this the world that you've now turned into an idol? My friends, when we do this, when we try to make the world into something it's not, it's an illusion. It's a fairy tale. It's not true. In our parable today, the slaves that we encounter, they believe this illusion. And so the slaves ask the farmer, they ask the landowner, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? What a ridiculous question. I mean, he's in the business, he's trying to feed people, he's trying to make money. Do you really think he'd buy seeds and go, oh, hey, Let's put, some, let's put some weed seeds in here too. I don't want to leave them out. No. He used good seed. But here's the problem. The weeds surprised everybody. The weeds came up, or at least I should say the weeds surprised the slaves. Because this wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to be this way. Where did these weeds come from? Now, there's an urgency to the servants' questions. They want to know what happened. Who is responsible? Who is to blame? And the honest answer is, we do too. That's what we want to know when we discover our weeds in our fields. We want an explanation. Someone that we can blame, someone that we can hold accountable, someone that we can judge, someone that we can punish. It's been several months ago now, but I had a couple who wanted to come and talk to me about the church. And so we met at a coffee house and we sat eye to eye talking about the church. And they were looking for a new church home. They said they were fleeing a church they felt was crumbling due to leadership issues, including not faithfully following the Bible. They expressed their frustration and things done and said. They felt like they were hurt and betrayed and battered. They talked about, well, they decided to withhold their monetary giving and even stated to me that they had a social media campaign against the church's leadership. Now, when I asked further about this, they also uh, let me know that their social media campaign was anonymous. Then, 
They quiz me on my personal beliefs and the structure and the vision and the future of Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. And in the process of having this conversation, my heart really did break for them. And I also had this wonder in the back of my mind, are they really looking for a community of faith to join, to heal, and then to really serve Jesus Christ in the world? Or do they need a place where they can be in control? Because as I've thought about this conversation, it's, it's kind of hit me, it's kind of sunk in. Because I do this quite a bit. You maybe don't. You know, you may be weak. I may be the weed here, okay? I get you. But I think about that interaction. I think about trying to control. You know, trying to control really is a normal reaction when we don't have the full picture. Trying to control is what we do when we don't trust God. Trying to control is what we do when we just don't understand. So we try to fix, manage, and control what God has so obviously overlooked. And in doing so, what do we do? We put ourselves on the throne. But by putting ourselves on the throne, it doesn't lessen the amount of weeds around us. No, the disappointment keeps coming. My friends, I stand before you to declare this as loudly as I can. Jesus will always be the ultimate leader, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and shepherd here at Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. And I cannot say that any more clearly. Jesus will rule. Jesus will sit on the throne. And we will take the word of Jesus Christ seriously. The living word of God, the Bible, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, my friends, it should always challenge us. Because the gospel will always challenge the way that we think, the way that we see, the way that we act, and even the way that we live. It's a challenge that arises every time we face the weeds that are in our crop, that are in our life, that are in our world. According to Jesus, our lives and our world are a field, a field in which good and evil, life and death, joys and sorrows grow and they live side by side. The wheat and the weeds grow together in our world and they grow together in our personal lives as well. Now there is good news, there's hope. Despite the weeds that are in and around us, the kingdom of God is still here. God has not left us. And the weeds don't overcome the wheat and choke them out. No, the kingdom of God is here, it is present. Now, it's not the fullness of the kingdom that we will one day experience, but it's still here. It seems that the separation between the wheat and the weeds is not clear cut and is not as black and white 
as social media, politicians, and our own personal opinions would have us believe. Jesus makes clear judgment belongs to who? Judgment belongs to God. I'm here to tell you, I see eternal judgment as beyond my pay grade, right? So, what in the world are we supposed to do? Are we just supposed to do, just sit around and do nothing? Just sit and wait? Well, let me answer that question and do so, because I've learned some things from Jesus, right? I want to tell you about my experience with weeds. I mean, think of this as Jason's little parable. 23 years ago yesterday, Kalinda and I were married. I know, right? That's an amazing accomplishment on her part. (laughs) 22 years ago, we bought our first house. And let me tell you, we were so excited. I mean, we worked so hard on everything, on planning and and picking out all the colors and the paint and going through it with a, you know, fine-tooth comb, making everything sure everything was absolutely perfect. I mean, we built our little house. And part of this little house was our little lawn. And it really was. It wasn't very big. It was a little lawn. But you know what? I was so proud of it. I mean, I now had a yard of my own. I had a responsibility of my own. And it was going to be absolutely perfect. And I became obsessed. I mean, I'd come home from work and I'd go right in and I'd put on my work clothes, work in the yard clothes, and I'd go out. And then on my hands and knees, I would go throughout the yard with a screwdriver in my hand, flathead, of course, and try to kind of pluck the weeds out of the turf, right? And I did that, and I did it every day, and I didn't miss, and I would do it from whenever I got home to whenever it got dark. And I remember one time, I'm out pulling weeds, and my wife comes out, and she says, honey, what are you doing? I'm like, what I've always do, I'm pulling weeds. And she said, well, you need to come inside. It's dark, and you're now in the middle of the neighbor's yard. (laughs) Now remember, I'm obsessed. And so what I said is, I know it, but they don't care about their weeds. If I don't get their weeds out, their weeds are gonna become my weeds, and I will not have it. Now, I, had, I did come to find out that there are some weeds that are more evil than other weeds. I don't know if you know this, but I'm here to help you. I'm sure I haven't read the Bible closely enough. I'm sure it's in there. Because the weed I'm speaking of is called nutsedge. Now, here's the thing. If you don't get nutsedge, 
by the little nut, the bulb that it's hard bulb at the base, it just grows right back. Not only that, but then it's kind of hooked to three other little bulbs at least. And you got to almost get all three of those. And sometimes you'd kind of have to tear your lawn up to get all of them out, if you were lucky enough to even get them out. But most of the time, you're just frustrated. You know that all you really did is you pulled the top of the weed off, but the bottom's right there, and it's coming right back. So I thought, and my determination fired up. So I got out the big guns, right? Weed killer. Weed killer, and I sprayed that nut sedge all over my yard. Yeah, right? <laughs> you you kind of see where that's going, don't you? Yeah, I get you. You just said what everybody else was feeling, so it's all right. I mean, you would have thought a smart person would have just sprayed a little part and see how it worked. I'm obsessed. So I sprayed it, and wherever I sprayed it, in a six-inch diameter around where I sprayed, there was a little yellow spot. And within that yellow, little yellow spot was one very green part of the nutsedge which would not die. <laughs> and I remember standing in the street looking at my sick yard. I mean, come on, y'all. Have you ever seen a yellow polka-dotted yard? <laughs> Thinking, you know what? My intentions here were so good. I just wanted to root out the weeds. And my neighbor, an older neighbor, was walking by. And he came and he stood by me. I actually could feel his compassion at that point. I could feel wisdom just kind of emanating off of him. And without looking at me, he's looking at the yard, he said, so, trying to kill weeds? I said, yeah. He said, didn't work, huh? Nope. And then he said this to me, and I think this was really wise. I didn't appreciate it much then, but as I've thought about it, it was really wise now. He said, well, maybe instead of focusing on the weeds, you ought to focus on having a really healthy lawn. Huh. Didn't think about that. My friends, there's plenty for us to do. Not just try to judge wheat and weeds. Maybe it starts not with us focusing on others that we think might be weeds. Maybe it starts by us focusing on ourselves. Because I promise you, Jesus has given us more to do in this life than we can get done. And it starts with us. Are you really perfected love? Love of self, love of neighbor, and ultimately love of God? Why don't we start there? Why don't we make that 
our priority. Why don't we make that what we do in our wheat field? You know, why don't we sow love? Why don't we allow God's grace to rule the day? Why don't we allow God to captivate us and capture us and help us to grow as disciples, to love more each and every day? And and as we love more, we really can help right wrongs. We really can help people heal from their brokenness. We really can be a beacon of light and love in the world. Man, our parable today reminds us the weeds, are, they don't surprise the master. The weeds don't surprise Jesus. They surprise us because we live in an illusion. So let's wake up and let's love the real world and let's not stop focusing on the weeds and judging everybody else and instead let's start loving more. Let's start being true disciples that live into this world. You know, when I preach, it is nice when you come by and say things like, oh, Good sermon today, Pastor. Oh, that's, that's all right. You did good. Every once in a while I get, hey, you know, you always got next week. You can get better. <laughs> and that's true. It's true. I just hold that up. And those things are all nice to say, okay? I, 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 but I think the highest compliment that I can get is because I'm not really preaching just for your entertainment. I'm preaching because I want you to be challenged. I want you to think. I want God to grab you by the mind and grab you by the heart and say, come on. We can do this together. I'm not leaving you out of it. I want God to inspire you and challenge you. And I think probably the the highest compliment you can pay me is you can even come up and say, you know, Pastor, I don't know if I agree with you, but you made me think. You made me feel. You made me explore my own faith. You challenged my discipleship. That's a compliment. You know, I love the way that Jesus ends his own telling his parable and then explaining the parable to his disciples. You know what he said? Let anyone with ears listen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.